It's early morning. There's a few birds chirping in the woods. I'm here in my favorite spot of woods, a place near my home that I can walk to. The light is about halfway up. I see, I see the pale blue sky through open spaces in the tree canopy above me, green leaves everywhere. I'm sitting by a little stream. You may hear the trickle. You're joining me. Um, this is the Modern Contemplative Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. You're joining me in nature. Ah, I thought it was fitting that I sit beside a flowing stream this morning because I want to talk to you about a flow. Today's podcast is a is a new series that I'm starting. I think it's a six-part series, kind of. There's, there's two different uh, sections, but it's called Into the Energy Flow. And this is part one, Energy and Truth. So... Uh, this is kind of an important topic for me, and it's it, it really um, illustrates just how much my idea of God has changed over the years. And now I'd put it like this: I've come to see God as an energy, much more than an idea. Now, I've been formally trained in Christian theology. I've spent let me think about this. I've spent seven years in a Bible college. I've taken systematic theology. I've read the Bible hundreds of times. I've done my own personal study. Um, and so I've spent a lot of time studying Christian theology. I've spent a lot of time at a Christian Bible college learning Christian truth. So... I understand God as an idea. I was trained in God as an idea, as an abstract concept. I spent a lot of time in that house, in that field, if you will, in that space. And um, I talk about, I spent a lot of time in the earlier podcast talking about our parts, right? And so... What I'm also trying to say is I spend a lot of time um, learning about God with my mind only. That was my early Christian experience. But as I talked about in um, the podcasts on, on what is a contemplative, like in my 20s, I just, I, I just got, I got this bug. I got this, what do they call it? be in my bonnet <laughs> like I just got this itch like I realized I, I realized like God was just an idea in my head it was just words we talked about but this is the interesting thing about words and ideas right like when it comes to God anyway like all language well let's just start there all language is metaphor period but when we're talking about especially God who is spirit who is invisible who is this energy this presence, like 
all words are metaphor. All of our all of our ideas about God are metaphor. And there's nothing wrong with that, but like metaphors are not things. Words are not things. They represent. They're symbolic. They represent things, right? So if all you have are words when it comes to God, then you don't have God. And so I, I like I had this realization in my twenties, but it was almost. It's like I almost just tripped over something. It was it was accidental. Like I don't even know how I came to this conclusion, other than God was leading me, which is true. But like I, I don't know how I came to this end. I think many religious people don't. They live their whole lives in this house of words. We could call it a house of cards, like in this framework of God that is simply metaphor and symbol. But if religion is anything, if it means anything, then it it has to it has to it has to live on the idea that God is real, and God is really there, and God is there to be experienced. Like we can't live our lives in a religion based purely on words and metaphors. Like that doesn't do anything for us. It doesn't change us. It doesn't. It doesn't meet us where we are like we live life in the real world not we don't live life in words and metaphors like i'm not metaphorically married to my wife through words you know i don't even know how i could ex- imagine that to be but like my marriage isn't just imaginary i don't just talk about being married as a metaphor and i'm really living as a single person in an apartment by myself like it's a real thing God has to be a real thing, a real person, a real energy, a real presence. And so in my 20s, I, like, I just realized like, I couldn't live in the house of cards anymore, this house of words and metaphors. I wanted the real thing. And I realized that I didn't have it. And I realized that from my perspective, uh, that's what the Christian religion was. And that's what it had given me was just these, just a bunch of words, a book with a bunch of words. And like even all the rituals and the gatherings were all based around words, talking, ideas, concepts. It was all mind-based religion and theology. You know, and I, I was steeped in that even more because I had the chance to go to a Bible college and learn systematic theology and historicity and... Um, hermeneutics and all these big bible theology words which just mean like going deeper and deeper into training the mind in truth that is an abstraction truth is an abstraction but what i want to talk to you today is about my journey and my experience of really coming to know god as something much bigger than an idea in my head and I want to challenge you, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, even if you're an atheist, like your idea of God is more than likely an idea in your head. It's a metaphor. Whatever it is, whatever you think about God, it's just what you think, right? These are just thoughts. But I, I want to challenge you to consider that God is a real person, a real being that can be experienced, and that is the only way. I also want to challenge every one of you. That is the only way we can truly know God. Like I, can, I truly know my wife because I live with her. I experience her every day. 
We wake up together. We do life together. Like, there's no other way to know people. Just because I've read about Abraham Lincoln in a book doesn't mean I know Abraham Lincoln. I know about Abraham Lincoln. I know facts about his life, but I don't know the person. I don't know because a, a person is a heart and a, and a mind and a spirit and a soul and a body, not just an abstract idea. Like We, we can't know God as an abstract idea. We, we don't know God if we know God as an abstract idea. Am I blowing your mind yet? <laughs> like, I'm not trying to criticize or be condescending or, or um, disrespectful to your religion or your religious ideas or your experience. But, but I'm telling you, I'm challenging you to consider whether you really and truly know God or whether you just know ideas. Whether you just know about God, you know God from a book, you know God through words, you know God in your mind. We need to understand that you don't know something until you've experienced it. You have to know it in all of your parts and all of your being. God is a being and God is experienced by our being, by being with God. And, like, that's one thing to say, right? I mean, I can say you've got to know God, you've got to experience God. But, I mean, I also understand, like, that can seem really daunting and really even crazy. Like, how can we experience this God that we can't even see? But I want to tell you that you do experience God. Oh, that was cool. A frog just jumped in the water. (laughs) Um, you do experience God. Like, God is all around you. But, um, so, last night at the dinner table, my eight-year-old son, just out of the blue, he said, he said, Dad, how do you, how do you hear God? And I was like, oh boy, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> like, I struggle to explain this to adults. How am I going to explain this to an eight-year-old? So he's like, Dad... How do you hear God? He's like, I asked God a question and he didn't answer me. And my, this was my first response. was, well, how do you expect God to answer you? And of course, in a roundabout way, he's like, you know, he expected to hear God literally. And so we had a conversation and I struggled to explain how you hear God. And I deferred to my wife and my wife had some good things to say and I talked about you know reading the Bible and and hearing God through the Bible and um, but I'm just my point is like I get it it's a hard thing to explain it's a hard thing to come to it's taken me I'm trying to see how, how old am I <laughs> it's taken me almost 30 years to come to a place where I have a great confidence and I just I have a great experience of God on a daily basis, right? I feel God's presence. I sense, I hear, I I interact with God in a very vibrant and real way, but it took a long time. It even took a long time just reading my Bible to begin to experience it in a more dynamic way. But that's what I'm trying to tell you. is like there's a dynamic, there's a dynamo to God as a presence in the world. Like God is a presence and God is an energy. And so... What I'm trying to say first is like I think it's better to conceptualize God as an energy, not as an I as not as a person somewhere 
off in the distance on a throne in the clouds or like we have to somehow get out of the ideas in our head and experience God. And I think it, it does start with how we conceptualize God. And so I think we almost always picture God as this person on a throne. And of course the Bible talks about God as a person on a throne. But hello, it's a metaphor. That's what I'm telling you. It's, 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 these are words, some symbols. So it, it does, but, but then we also like talk about God being near us and in us as far as the Christian context. Um, even it, most religions, you know, God is like, God is here, God is everywhere, right? I talk all the time about God as the energy force of life. And so what I'm saying is you've got two competing ideas in those statements. Like God as a person on the throne and God as this everywhere presence. Those are conflicting ideas. Is God localized or is God everywhere? And I'm saying the best way for start, you know, we do start with ideas. We start with concepts. But the best way to conceptualize God is as energy, not as ideas. You've you know, we communicate truth through ideas, but truth itself is more like energy. There's a dynamo, there's a dynamic, there's a charisma, there's an electricity to truth. It's not just words, it ch- because it changes us. It, we feel it, we touch it, we taste it, we experience it. It's just, it's a big thing, it's not a small thing. Ideas in our heads are small. Truth is a big thing. The, the, the kind of truth that can change us, that can transform us, that can move us in a different direction, that can cause us to risk everything, to step out. Like the truth that we believe and practice is something big. It's dynamic. It's electric. It's energy. It's not ideas. Ideas are simply like tiny little capsules that we can somehow create a framework for to translate truth or to communicate truth to talk about it it's a it's a mechanism but it's not the thing itself it's like the ziploc bag for my sandwich (laughs) it carries it but the sandwich is the contents it's the contents like it's not the container we we build that's what ideas are containers to hold truth but the truth itself is something else it's dynamic it's like the wind it's like light and it's like air and that brings me to, you know, all those things are energy. They're, they're force, they're movement, they're physics, energy. And I think this is, very, this is very important, too, because back to this idea of, like, the, the ambiguity of God or the, you know, just how much we struggle to grasp this concept of God and to, to we struggle and wrestle with, seeing God and experiencing God because God is not because God is nowhere but because God is everywhere in all things that's why we grasp it's it's not because God is so distant but because God is so familiar that we struggle to see God and experience God and I know that sounds strange like that sounds even counterintuitive and like opposite but let me explain it this way like how often do you stop to think about light how often do you even see light or notice light in the world, right? It is everywhere, light. I mean, the world could not exist without light. We couldn't move through the world. We couldn't see anything. And yet, 
we don't really think about light. Light is invisible to the naked eye, but yet everything in life exists visibly to our eyes because of light. And think about air. You don't see air. How often do you think about air? You breathe, I don't know how, every few seconds. You breathe and that's how you are alive. That's how everything is alive, the atmosphere of the earth. Air. How often do you think about air? Light. And yet, all of life is sustained by these things, but they're so... They're so close to us. They're so, the world is so saturated with them that we don't think about them. And God is the same way. God is not seen, but God is the energy everywhere, the essence of life. Little do we stop to think about it. And yet God sustains all things. God is so close and so much everywhere that, it, and this is what I'm saying, God is so common. Because God isn't everything. And so the common things we can take for granted. We see this all the time with relationships, marriage. You know, we can begin to just, it's so familiar. It's, it's just there and we expect it to always be there. And so we begin to forget about it. We begin to go through life. And this is the other thing that I think is very important when it comes to God. And, and this is true of my own religious experience. Like I tended to think about God in a fantastic as the fantastical, you know, God is this big thing. And, and I had these experiences in as a youth in youth group. Like we would go on these retreats and I would experience God in these dynamic ways that were very vibrant and like bold, extreme, but they were not my norm. Right, I'd go away, I'd leave my home, my city. We'd, we'd drive in a van to this new place. It was exotic. And I, I experienced God as the exotic We'd have these youth retreats, and we'd the whole week or two weeks we'd spend talking about God, and every night was a, a worship experience, and every day was Bible study, and God, 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 God. And I would experience God in these ways, and then I would come home, and it was back to normal life. It was the mundane again. And I, w- and I would, like, as a, as a youth, I would be like, well... How did I experience God in such a dynamic way there and then here I don't? Well, because that's not my normal life. That's not real life. And that was a cultivated and a curated experience specifically to give me this kind of fantastic experience of God. What I began to realize too into my 20s was like I needed to have an experience of God that was sustainable and that was every day and that could fit in my everyday life. Like I couldn't run off to a youth retreat every week. I couldn't live there. I needed somehow to get a hold of this God and experience this God in my everyday life. And like, so I didn't realize it then, but what I was really saying is God needed to be something more a part of my normal everyday life, not this retreat mentality and this extreme fantastical experience that was um, that was abnormal to my everyday life or you know it was out of the ordinary like God needs to become ordinary for us in, in a lot of ways and that sounds like some people may even think that's sacrilegious like God is 
God is this other, this huge. And, but no, when it comes to experiencing God, like in living in this energy, it's like the air you breathe. It's like the sunlight. It's just there. It's there and it sustains you and it's like, but it's hard to see. It's hard to cultivate an awareness of things that you just take for granted that you don't even think about. You have to cultivate an awareness. And that's the other thing. Like, when it comes to human experience, normal is the thing we pay the least attention to. Like, peace is not a very noticeable phenomenon. When, you're, when everything's good, you don't tend to pay attention to, 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 what, to what's going on. Like, let me just put it this way. It's the dysfunction that is the most stark. It's the most traumatic things, most wounding things, the most surprising things that stand out to us. Like the things that are in our face. If someone's screaming in your face, you're going to pay attention. If someone's whispering in your ear, you may not hear it. We have an ability to tune out the backdrop, the background, you know. God is more like the background of life, in the background of life. God is not screaming in your face. God is that quiet voice, that still voice. God is like light all around you which enables you to see everything, but you don't actually see the light. You can take it for granted. God is like the air you breathe, which sustains your life, and yet how little we give it thought and recognition. God is not the dysfunction in the world, and it's the dysfunction we most often pay attention to. It's the dysfunction that grabs our attention, that demands action. God is peace, God brings us to peace, but it takes an expectation and a desire to come to a place of peace and not to chase after the fantastic in order to begin to step into the flow of God, the energy of God, to be, to be more aware, to be more in tune. It's like, I, I, I think of it this way, or put it this way, like, if God is peace... If God wants to draw us into peace, and God is about peace and about a mode of life that is even and steady, then that that God can't draw us into that space through um, the opposite, which is the phenomenal, the stark, and the the brilliant you know the the flash and the fireworks and the stupendous like god god that i mean we can think of it even biologically like adrenaline rush and euphoria those things can be experienced in small doses but if your everyday experience if your hormones and your um adrenaline and the rush, the rush will literally kill your body if you lived in that space very long at all. The adrenaline. Adrenaline, in a moment, it's, it's the fight or flight, right? It's like it's there to get your butt moving when you need to like, do something fast to save yourself. But you can't live in that space. It's, it'll kill you. And God cannot be 
an adrenaline rush for us. But I think a lot of religion has created this, tried to curate this experience of God that is an adrenaline rush. And then we walk away and we go back to our everyday and we're like, huh, well, I guess God's not with me because I'm not experiencing the adrenaline rush. Well, how do I get that adrenaline again? And and so, and that that's the other thing. It's like when you experience God as an adrenaline rush, you always need more to get that adrenaline rush. Like it's got to be more. And that's what church has become. It's like, started out like singing some boring hymns and now we're like light shows and smoke and drums and and I'm not saying that's like I'm not Baptist I'm not saying loud music and rock and roll is evil I'm saying if your experience of God is the adrenaline rush you always need more and more to produce that same experience and eventually you're going to crash you can't live in the adrenaline rush We need to experience God as a steady flow, calm, grounding, stabilizing every moment of our lives, in every moment, sustaining us. It's a calmness that brings us down from the adrenaline rush, not to the adrenaline rush. But I'm telling you that if all you're looking for is the adrenaline rush, the next big, um, grand expression then you're not going to see god god is calm and god is easily missed because god is everywhere and god is in the humble and god is trying to bring us to the humble and the calm and the patient but i don't think much of religion has taught us that has has given us the expectation that god is this god is in the background god is calm and <clears throat> To experience God, we're going to have to get calm and quiet. And so it's it's the movement of experiencing God, of learning to experience God, is, an, is, an, is a movement towards quiet. And that's why I talk a lot about meditation and stillness. Like you've got to begin to quiet yourself. You've got to wean yourself off of all the sugar of life. You've got to begin to develop the taste buds for the subtle flavors because the subtle flavors are thousands and thousands that there is the wideness of experience but it's not the stark experience and i know like we read the bible the bible is like the highlights it's like the spark notes of religion it's all the big stuff that happened and like because that's what stands out nobody's talking about i got up today nothing much happened i experienced god deep as a deep calming peace presence and what what would we have to write about (laughs) like it's the big moments when like god broke through and showed up and rescued us and did something you know when we were desperate and we were hurting and we you know we we were going to fall on our face but god caught us and like a lot of our personal experiences and, and written experience of God is those dynamic moments, those stark. But I'm telling you, the only way we even have those experiences of God, that we're, the only way we're aware enough of God to see God in those moments is when we've cultivated our experience of God in the quiet, in the calm, in the everyday, in the mundane. And we have to recognize that we as individuals, especially in an entertainment culture where we want to be bedazzled, dazzled, razzled, <laughs> we want to be entertained and we want, the, we want the dynamic. Like, we may not be that well trained to experience God. 
And so, you know, you can sit all day and say, well, God, where is God? I don't see God. But if you're, if you're tuned to the bold and to the dynamic, to the stark and the fantastic, to the fireworks, that's not where God is. You're not going to experience God if you're looking for God as the adrenaline rush. God is the energy flow of life. God is, God is dynamic, but you've got to, you've got to, you've got to go on this journey that brings you down, that brings you down into more and more peace and calmness and stillness. God is not going to scream in your face. You don't want God to scream in your face. Trust me. You know, if God has to break through the distortion all the time to get through to you, to speak, like, then what is God? It's just another screaming voice in this, in this cacophony of voices. Like, and we can hardly recognize one voice from any other. We have to learn to tune down the distortion, to get calm. In order to experience God, to recognize that God is not the fireworks, not in the adrenaline rush, but God is like the air we breathe and the sun and the light that illuminates. Easy to miss. We have to be trained. We have to be trained over a time period of years and years to come down from that expectation to see and to begin to live in a space where we are quiet enough and calm enough to really begin to hear the still, small voice of God. It's everywhere, but it's easy to miss. That still, small voice is more like energy than ideas. It's a flow. It's like the atmosphere that surrounds us. And so we have to also recognize that we need to begin to experience God in, in more ways than just our brains, just as an idea, just as information. I talk about experience as data, which is just another metaphor, but like all of our, all of our parts experience that data differently, right? Our heart experiences the data of the world through emotion and our mind through thoughts our body through sensation. So, um, but when it comes to truth, you know, we're dominated by the mind, by, by ideas. Like we're dominated by the concept of truth as ideas. When we go, you know, college, we go to college, we go to school, it's all talking, it's all words. Words are trying to get at something. They're trying to point to things. They're not the things themselves. So we've got to begin to reconceptualize even our ideas of God more as an energy flow, less as a metaphor. The metaphors are pointing to the thing itself. Mm. I hope that gives you something to think about, something to consider. Um, 
I would say a lot of our dysfunction when it comes to religion and it's just how we've been taught, even even apart from religion, just in the Western culture, how we've been trained to interact with ideas. And like there's this dichotomy even in the science world between rationalism and empiricism. And I, I found this very fascinating. And so rationalism is just it's the engagement in ideas through the mind, the rational. You know, and yet we also talk about, the, I like this term, when we rationalize something, this is a negative uh, idea where it says you can make something true for you that's not actually true because, you've, because in your mind you're able to create a system that seems logically workable, but it's not in reality. And so until you take ideas out of the mind and into the world... You don't know whether or not they're really true. That's why there's a difference between scientific theory and scientific fact. Scientific fact, it starts out as a theory. It's a theory that has been tested in the real world. It's been seen and proven to be true. And so empiricism is the counterbalance to rationalism. It says that it has to be experienced. It's, it's experience-based truth versus mind a rational-based truth. So, I'm saying we can't just be, especially when it comes to God. Oh, I'm getting up. I'm sore from sitting, sitting on this hard rock by the stream. I'm going to get up and walk a little bit. And my, oh, goodness, my back's sore from sitting. I work construction, my back can get sore a lot. So, you know, what I'm saying is empiricism is a counterbalance to rationalism. And like, this is not a again a lot of a lot of times in our dualistic thinking we we like oh well one or the other right which and you have this debate even in science between rationalists and empiricists like which is better which works better well look I'm telling you like they work together it's not an either or like things start out truth starts out as concepts in our heads it starts out with rationalism we talk about it we have to be able to talk about it to communicate that's what I'm doing. But there's a point at which we have to say, if it's true, if it's real, then, I, then it has to be real in my experience. We need to be good rationalists and good empiricists. And so you, you, know, you can spend a long time in the house of religious rationalism. And people live there their whole lives. But let me tell you something. People become atheists because... They realize that they've only known God as a concept in their head, and they've never experienced God. And so they probably said, well, how can I believe in something I've never even experienced? And again, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say it. Religion has not done a good job in the realm of empiricism, in the realm of experience. In fact, I think religion has told us to distrust our experience and only, like, only believe it because the Bible says it. And we, like, the Bible says it so. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe in the Bible? No, I don't believe in the Bible. I believe in the God that the Bible talks about because I've experienced that God. I don't believe in words in a book. And we can't, like, it's dangerous to live in ideas. As the term you know, uh, that I said to, ra to rationalize proves that you can construct ideas in your head that are simply not true to experience. 
People believe in things all the time that aren't real. I was going to mention flat earthers, but <laughs> I don't want to make anybody upset. But but look, <clears throat> we see in the world competing ideas about reality and who is right. I love I love this phrase, and I'll put it this way. A man of experience is never at the mercy of a man with opinions. When you know something only as an idea in your head that can never stand up to something that you've experienced in real life. <clears throat> we need to get out of our heads when it comes to God. We need to experience God for ourselves. That was the whole point of religion. That is the whole point of religion. It's supposed to teach us how to experience God. But what I'm saying is religion, especially in, West, in the Western tradition, <clears throat> has done a very poor job of teaching us to experience God, of how to experience God. And as I'm, as I'm experiencing right now, it's like hard, it's hard to teach people how to experience God. It's much, much easier <clears throat> to teach people about God as a concept in your head. That's something that we can package and sell. And I've been to Bible college and I've bought that package. Okay, I have a degree Right, I've studied theology. I've studied the Bible. I paid for that. You can't pay for the experience of God. Like God cannot be bought and sold. Ideas can. God is an idea. It can be controlled. It can be a power structure that we can manipulate, and we can we can even withhold from people. Right? I can take God away from you. I can take that God away from you. And I can actually manipulate and distort that God, the God of ideas, the God of pure rationalism. But the God of empiricism, the God that I can experience, nobody can even give that to me. And nobody can take it away. That is the true God. That is the energy of God in the universe, which everybody has access to, which is real and vibrant and alive. And so, like... We've got to... Oh, and I was going to kind of... I'm, I'm going along this path of rationalism versus empiricism. And, like, science just does the, the best job at this. Like, the science... There's no room for truth only as a theory. Real truth. Like, fact. No. Theory is a theory. We know a theory is just an... Like, we have no way to test it, to prove it. That's why it's called the Big Bang Theory. It is how we have best conceptualized how the world began. But we can't go back in time to test it, so we know. Like, we think this is the best kind of explanation for the beginning of the material universe. But we can never prove it. It's just a theory. And so I'm telling you that religion has spent so much time in theories. And Western religion in particular, other religions, Eastern religion actually has done a much better job saying no. You can't believe it's something that you only hold in your head. You can't, you can't be purely rational. But Western religion was founded in, in this intellectualism from its beginning. And I've studied Western religion from the Greco-Roman um, inception through the Middle Ages to modern culture. I've studied culture. That's one, that's, I had my master's degree in the study of human culture, and I focus specifically in, in Middle Ages, but also the Greco-Roman history. And I know, like, the development of our truth and our ideas of truth have been 
largely and hugely influenced by intellectualism, which is rationalism. So I can go a long, long time. I won't do that in this podcast, but look, we've been grounded in this idea of truth as, as ideas. We are a mind-based culture, and that's, that's our roots. It's been that way for th- over 3,000 years. Greek culture started a long time ago. So we've been on this path of grounding ourselves in such a way to interact with truth more in the rational sense. But I'm telling you, like science is the is has been the only counterbalance. Like we we know, at least in the scientific sense in the physical world, that it's only true if we can somehow experience it. It has to be experienced and a repli- a replicable a replicatable, sorry. <laughs> a replicatable process, right? And so I'm telling you that knowing God is a replicatable process. But it's not a process of the mind. It's a process which includes the mind. It starts with theories. But if that's the only place you ever go with it, if you never experience God, then you don't really know God. You know God as a metaphor, as an idea. You really know God as a person on a throne somewhere off in the distance. Just a picture in your head. That's all you have of God if you only know God as a theory, if you've never experienced God. And I'm just telling you, my experience of God has moved me from God as an idea to God as energy. God is all around me. God is so dynamic. But it's a dynamo that is subtle. You won't see it if you don't know even how to look for it, if you don't expect you don't have this better idea of God as energy instead of God as an idea. We have to begin to be better empiricists. We have to begin to test our theories of God. The Bible is full of theories. The Bible does not talk about a God that is just an idea in our heads. It talks about a God that is alive in the world, that is acting and moving. Aristotle's the unmoved first mover. God is energy. And you have, to, you have to check your idea. Like you have to check your experience of God. Is it just ideas? Are you just experiencing God as, co- as a concept in your head? Is that your total experience? The totality of your experience is just, you just live in ideas. You just live in the theories of God. Have you really experienced God? And I'm also telling you, like, like, the experience of God can't just be the adrenaline rush, the occasional, the, the abnormality, the aberration, the random. Like, every once in a while, you somehow, like, have this experience, and it carries you through for another 10 years. And, like, I experienced, that's how I experienced God, too, at first, right? I had these supernatural, mystical experiences, but they were few and far between. And, and that, that didn't satisfy me. I knew that couldn't be it. That couldn't be all there was. A God that is everywhere must be experienced everywhere all the time. Can be. But I had to question my own experience. Why did I just have this retreat experience of God all the time? Just every once in a while in this other place, in this curated experience, this adrenaline rush. Why? I had to come to understand that 
the problem wasn't that God was only in those places or those times or those experiences, but that how I was trying to experience God was was faulty. It wasn't God that was faulty. That it was my paradigm of how I was trying to experience God. You know, God wasn't distant and absent, and I could only experience God in these random, obscure, every once in a while kind of ways. These these adrenaline rush retreat moments. <clears throat> I'd understand that those curated experiences had trained me to think that I could only experience God in that way, or that that was all there was to it. But I had to come, and I have come to understand God as an energy flow of life all around me can be experienced. But I have to be more quiet. I have to be more calm and more at peace and in tune to experience it. And that's the importance of meditation and contemplation. It teaches us to get quiet, to stop chasing the fantastical and the adrenaline rush and calling that God and that calling that experience of God and starting to experience God day to day, moment to moment in the calm and in the quiet. And that's what God's trying to draw us to, the calm and the quiet. It's a steadiness. It's a groundedness. It's not the adrenaline rush, which we, we can't live in that space. That, that'll cause us to crash and burn. Hmm. I'm in the wrestle. Like, I, it's, it's not easy to explain because it's not about, it's not words and metaphors. Um, just don't do a great job. Like, it's hard. I could talk for, for I could talk, the, I will. I will talk the rest of my life trying to explain it in words. But words cannot explain it. You have to experience it. And I'm trying to help point you in that direction of experience, of your own experience. But I'm telling you as well, like, it needs to be experienced. God has to be experienced to be real for you to be true. So I feel like I've you like um we're just beginning. I'm just beginning to talk to you and to to try and help point you down this direction of experience of God as energy instead of God as an idea. So we're going to talk a lot more about this, but in this first podcast I'm just trying to help what's your appetite and say we've got to get out of this God idea and into God as this energy that can be experienced that is there to be experienced so man I hope that that's encouraging I hope that it's probably challenging and maybe you're mad at me (laughs) maybe you think I'm crazy maybe you think I'm some new age hippie dude like experiencing God really like I know that it can be a challenge it can be kind of it can seem like it's completely a foreign idea to the traditional Christian system and the way that it has presented God and relates to God. But I'm telling you, it's that system that has taught me this. If you look at the Bible, if you really look at theology, Christian truth, this is what it all points to. Your experience of God. Not somebody else's. Not words in a book. It's not enough that somebody else has experienced God. You've got to experience God for yourself. That's 
that's the beginning. That's what I'm trying to just at least establish here in this first podcast, that God is energy. God can be experienced. So, hey, I appreciate you guys tuning in. I know this one went a little longer. I hope that it's still been engaging, and I hope that it really... I hope it feeds you. I hope it encourages and just sparks something in you. Like, yeah, I want to experience God too. Like, yes. Ah, I just broke my stick. <laughs> Snap. Um, yeah, I hope that you're excited. And like, I hope it's your, you'll travel with me. And I appreciate you tuning in. I do. I, I love you guys. I, I want good things for you. I want you to experience God too. So let's keep doing it. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.